So hello and welcome to today's edition of Pipe Up the Organ Podcast. My name's David Pipe and today I'm joined by Rachel Mahn from Coventry. Rachel, it's a great pleasure to have you speaking to us. Welcome. Thank you very much. So firstly, um, I think I'm right in saying that from September you're going to be the youngest female cathedral director of music in the country. Um, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about Coventry, the work you've done there so far and, and how, you've, you know, how it's going to pan out from September. Um, okay, well, I've been at Coventry for almost two years now as assistant director of music. Um, and I, in my current role, I accompany the choir in services and I conduct the choir as well. Um, we have a boys choir and a girls choir and then the back row of alto, tenor and basses. And we have several choral scholars as well, which is a nice thing. So when the boys, when their voices break, we just sort of tend to move them to the back row um, and they stay on. And I also organize the recital series, um, which goes from May to September every Monday afternoon. Um, and I coordinate visiting choirs, which we have them every time our choirs on holiday or throughout the summer. And so from September, I'm taking over as director of music. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, of course, at the moment, I don't know what is going to happen in September. I don't know in what capacity we'll be um, sort of returning to work because um, I'm on furlough at the moment, um, which has been, you know, I, I understand everyone. Most people are in the cathedral world, but um, it, it, of course, was really disappointing because it meant that everything was just called off, you know, our entire recital series all the services, uh, and uh, our current director of music, uh, Carrie Beaumont. I don't know if we're going to get a, a chance to have a big send-off for him. So, um, yeah, tricky time. <laughs> it's worrying, isn't it? And, and I know lots of cathedrals have been uh, doing some online rehearsals. Have you done anything with Zoom or, you know, tried to engage the kids still, be it over the computer? Um, unfortunately, we're not allowed to, as we're on furlough, so we're not allowed to do any work. Oh, um, of course. Yeah, so... So no, unfortunately, there's been no contact whatsoever. I know some other places have been able to keep maybe one member of staff on, so they've been able to do something um, via Zoom. But I did before I was put on furlough, I did send out, um, along with my husband, we put together some theory videos um, and we sent those out to, he, he's also a director of music at um, St. Mary's in Warwick. And we sent them out to our choristers just so that they'd have some something to hold on to and hopefully develop their musical theory skills because, you know, they're, it's kind of if you don't use it, you lose it. I hope that's not the case. I know what you mean. And I must, I'm very envious of you in Coventry because a long-time friend of mine used to play in rugby and uh, for a couple of years we went and played for visiting choirs uh, in, in Coventry Cathedral. And I think it must be one of the finest organs in this country, if, if not further afield. Can you tell us a bit about, you know, some of your experience playing in there? Yes, um, you're absolutely right. The organ, well, in my opinion, is one of the best in the country. Uh, I love playing it. It's absolutely thrilling. Um, the, the instrument in the cathedral just works so well with the acoustic, and it's just such a powerful instrument. Playing it is very, very satisfying, um, and you can play all sorts of rep on the organ. Now, when you're accompanying a choir, it's slightly different because you have to be very, very restrained. Otherwise, you will definitely drown out a choir. Um, the organ is situated on either side of the cathedral, um, up two very tall towers. They're about four stories. Uh, so from where the choir is sitting, if you are using too much of the organ, it would probably sound fine um, in the choir. 
So the choir would think, oh, this is great, but the sound is actually traveling over them. And then in the congregation, they're all, all they're hearing is organ. They're not hearing the choir at all. So it's a really, it's very tricky um, building in terms of acoustics. So you need to actually use far less than, than you think. So it, it can be frustrating at times, but um, I, I'm told that from the congregation, it sounds um, just about right to use uh, ba basically swell. And if you've got full swell on, you absolutely have the box closed. You know, um, you don't use any of the great, basically. You don't you use only the principal chorus of the choir if it's, you know, fortissimo. So it's, yeah, it's quite restrained. But within that, I think you can come up with lots of um, interesting combinations and We've got a, uh, an enclosed solo as well, which um, you can kind of make a, a fake sort of um, full swell sound from that. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you have to be clever and sort of find ways around um, the limitations there. But so it, it is fun as well to accompany. Um, but I, I absolutely think to really put the organ through its paces, you, you want to be doing a solo organ recital. <laughs> And I think that's a very nice segue into uh, a CD you made recently, which I believe was made on the Coventry organ, wasn't it? Yes. Um, so this was my CD of Canadian organ music, um, and that was released on Delphian Records in March or February, end of February. Um, but the, this whole the there was a whole narrative behind the CD, and that was um, the Canadian connection to Coventry, which I didn't know actually before I started working there. Um, but when I did, I discovered this and I thought this is such an amazing um, historical connection. I thought it would be great to make a CD and, and you know, make it of Canadian music. Um, so the, the connection is that um, after the war, Keely Willen, who was based in Canada, uh, and the RCO, RCCO, the Royal Canadian College of Organists, decided to raise money for British organs that had been destroyed in the war. Um, and Willen and others went across Canada playing benefit recitals and um, collecting donations. And in the end, they decided that they would give all the money to Coventry, which had been completely destroyed in the war. So that, w that was donated and that, and that covered, I think, a, a very large chunk of the cost of the new organ, something like three fifths. Um, don't quote me on that, though. <laughs> um, so uh, that that happened. And then also the um, ceiling of the new cathedral is Canadian cedar that was donated by Canada. So and there's sort of a lot of <laughs> a lot of Canada in the building. And um, at the West End, there's a, a giant sort of brass um, th uh, maple leaf in the floor right at the West End. And you can see this. And that's actually, I think sort of what piqued my curiosity. I saw us and I was thinking, why Why is there a maple leaf at the back of the cathedral? Um, but yeah, then I discovered all this and thought that's that's amazing. I need to make a CD of Canadian music to commemorate this. Um, so thankfully, the Canada Council for the Arts, um, which is our national grant-making body, um, they gave me a grant to fund the whole project um, yeah, so that that's how that all came about. I had no idea about all the, the Canadian links. I thinking about it now, having looked up at the ceiling in Cathedral, it's got that that wonderful sort of uh, I don't I, I suppose it's almost like fan vaulting, but I don't know if that's the right word for something so modern. Yeah. But that's fascinating to hear. It's that it's that Canadian wood they've used for it. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, it's amazing. It looks like a. I think it's meant to look like a forest. You know, you look up and you're under a canopy of trees, sort of a very modern forest. Um, 
Uh, and yeah, I've been up on top of that and looked through and it's, it's incredible because the ceiling is actually just little sort of, I don't know what to call them, little planks of wood that, um, are lined up with each other and you can just see right through it, through the top, which, which I don't know, but you can't see through it from the bottom. It's very interesting anyway. <laughs> and you've got that wonderful John Piper window, haven't you? Is it the, in the, I don't know if you call it the baptistry. And... Yes, the baptistry window absolutely beautiful just so many different shades of glass and um there are lots of photos of that um i Co coventry cathedral actually has instagram now so <laughs> if you want to see uh, a daily a daily feed of um photos of the cathedral that's where you need to go <laughs> i find myself almost going on a tangent to talk about the architecture of coventry but i must ask you about your yeah. cd a bit more now you mentioned healy willen um, mm -hmm. um did you record his um introduction Passacala and fugue uh, yes, I did. That's um, one of my favorite, favorite um, works. And it sounds magnificent on the Coventry organ. Um, and I thought, well, seeing as he was basically the one who sort of spearheaded this campaign and, and went across Canada playing these benefit recitals, it seemed only fitting that I play his best work, in my opinion. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's why I did. I know it's been recorded many times before, but... Um, I've always wanted to record it myself, um, and this was the perfect opportunity. It's an, I confess I don't play it, but it's an amazing piece. Is it the one that he wrote uh, a single variation of Pasacaglia on a, a tram trip in the morning? Yes, and um, so it's also, it's nicknamed his train piece. <laughs> or so, that that's what my grandpa tells me, because um, my grandpa was Healy Willen's cantor um, at St. Mary Magdalene in Toronto, so he's... Um, he loves talking about his time working with Healy Willen, um, who was a huge influence on his life. Um, so he, he tells me a few <laughs> anecdotes about him quite often. And one of them is that, oh yeah, that's his train piece. Um, and I've also heard that he wrote it because, um, I can't remember who it was, but someone said to him, and, and another person was present. And it was sort of three people having a conversation after they'd been to a recital where Rager's um, Passacaglia, I think in D minor, was played. And this person said, you know, only a German philosophical mind could have written such an amazing Passacaglia. And Healy Willen was quite affronted by that. Um, and so he went and composed his own Passacaglia and put it in E flat minor, just, just to, you know, turn the... Uh, <laughs> turn the screw there apparently there is a manuscript of it that is in e minor not e flat minor so i don't know if that's the copy that he played from so one of those questions i always ask the kids how many flats does e flat minor have and what's its relative major but it's uh, it, the c flats always get me it, no, it's the most wonderful piece and i again i confess i know very little about canadian organ music i think i could have said healy willen was Canadian and that's probably the limit of my knowledge. What else is on your CD because I suspect I'm not the only one over here who may have quite a limited knowledge of Canadian music. Which of the other composers you've included in that disc? Um, so I've included a, a student of Willens that's um, Gerald Bales. Um, it's a sort of it's petite suite so it's very short it's only about seven minutes long it's three movements um, and it's much more sort of modern harmony than the Willen. Um, it was composed, I think, in the 60s. So for that reason, I thought, oh, it kind of sort of matches the architecture of the, the building. And it's just a short and exciting little suite. Um, Gerald Bales, he, I think he was quite active as a composer and organist um, in Toronto. And he, I think he died in 2001, um, something like that. 
Um, but he's quite well known in Canadian music and he has a few other works as well. Um, I don't know, maybe for some future CDs I'll bring out some more bales. I've also got on uh, Chromatic Partita by Ruth Watson Henderson. Um, she's written qu quite a few pieces, but also quite a few voice um, choral pieces. Um, so she's quite known in the choir world in Canada. Um, but I, her chromatic partita is sort of uh, based on a, a chorale that she's composed um, and then a set of variations and again very sort of modern and I thought excellent for the building. It shows off the organ because it has, um, with the variations you can register it completely differently um, for everyone, and although she does specify that, but it does show off a huge dynamic range um, of the organ and ends with this sort of French toccata. Mm -hmm. So that's um, quite exciting. And then I've got uh, the Rachel Lorraine Organ Symphony, um, which is four movements very much in the style of the French organ symphonies of Vierne and Vidor. And um, that's, I, I love Rachel's music. I think uh, it's really appealing to your, your general audience, sort of it's very easy to listen to, but also very interesting and very good. Um, so I love the the prelude. It's very brooding, sort of dark music. Um, and then there's a, a lovely sort of lyrical ar aria. And uh, the scherzo is this sort of fun, cheeky, um, very difficult to play, actually, short movement. Um, and then it ends with a, a big, triumphant toccata at the end. Uh, very much, you know, a French toccata. Uh, so that also shows off all the colors of the organ and that was a lot of fun to put together and just see how it was going to work. Um, Rochelle, I would email her sometimes with a question, you know, you say this, like, what what should I do? <laughs> I can't quite replicate this on the organ or, you know, and she's just very relaxed. She'd just say, oh no, just just make it musical and <laughs> do what you do what you want. I'm sure it will be lovely. Um, so it, it's funny, yeah, with, with composers that, well, with her at least, she's very um, relaxed. So you don't need to take her score as sort of completely the law. Um, especially when it comes to sort of tempo. I remember playing something, um, I've gone off on a tangent here, but I've played, I played something of hers and I remember I got it right to the metronome marking. And at the end she said, oh, that was so fast. I said, but I did, I did, I did the, the metronome marking. And she said, it was circa, circa. And I was thinking, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's really use your instincts, um, which, which I like. I like that. I realize I, I, I think I have heard of Rachel actually. She, she's a very fine player herself, isn't she? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she's she's well known as a, a recitalist um, teacher and composer, definitely. And is there a piece called now? Is it March Pontificale Entree? I've I've seen it, I think, on YouTube, and it's got quite a, a ferocious pedal cadenza in there somewhere. Um, I can't think that. I I don't know it, but I I wouldn't be surprised about a ferocious pedal cadenza. It's one of these things. I I think. Uh, Every time we do these podcasts, I find myself hearing about fascinating topics we could talk about, you know, for half an hour, be it her music or indeed calendar. Now, I must get on to calendar because all of our listeners now will have realised that you're not from Coventry or Warwick. Perhaps you could tell us a little <laughs> bit about your, um, you know, your, your background and how you came to play the organ. And um, I, I know you were St Paul's Cathedral's first female organ scholar over here. So perhaps, you know, you could give us a little bit of a potted history. 
Um, okay, yes, I grew up um, in Toronto. Um, my parents, uh, they're both professional singers um, and, and conductors, and my mother was my piano teacher growing up. Um, and then I started taking organ lessons when I was in my mid-teens. Uh, and from there, I, I was organ scholar at St. James Cathedral in Toronto. I just, there were so many opportunities for young organists because, as you can imagine, it's not the most popular um, career path. So, um, but there were so many sort of churches that wanted an organist. Um, there were so many scholarships available. So that really helped me. And, and basically from playing, I don't know, I was playing maybe only one year and then I got my first organ scholarship and I've... I like to tell people I've never had a normal job, actually, um, because I, I at 16, 17, I started playing um, at St. James Cathedral. And then uh, when I finished high school, I went to University of Toronto for a music degree. And while I was there, I was the organ scholar at Trinity College. Um, and they have a chapel choir. It, they just do Evensong once a week. But that was a really lovely thing. And I, I did that for the first year along with St. James Cathedral, and I also played at the Toronto Oratory on Saturdays. So I was a busy student. Wow, that's a lot going on. <laughs> it, was a, it was definitely a lot. I sort of felt like I was, you know, just running around with like a chicken with my head cut off for, for much of that. Um, and then uh, towards the second half of university, I became the organist at Timothy Eaton Memorial Church, which is a united church. Um, it's sort of, I don't think you have United Churches here. It's kind of a mix of Methodist, um, Presbyterian, something like that. Do, do you know, we do actually, that, that's my background as well. We call it United Reformed Church. And it was, oh, I think, okay. the, yeah, the Presbyterian and Congregational joined. I think it might have been in the 80s. But um, yeah, that, that's, um, yes. that's where I started. They're, they're very, very good for singing hymns. Yes, <laughs> yes, they love, absolutely love hymns. Um, so that's exactly, it's, it was called the United Church of Canada, but I think it's exactly the same thing. Um, so I played there um, and I kept my organ scholarship at Trinity College going throughout university. And then I came over to visit my brother, actually, because he was a lay clerk at Wells Cathedral. And um, I met the organ scholar there and he was telling me, you know, he was American and that you could come over for a year and do this. And I had no idea, actually. I'd, I'd never heard of that. But obviously, I'd already had multiple organ scholarships in um, in Toronto. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll do a sort of gap year or something like that uh, after university. I'll come just to experience living in another country. I mean, working in another, uh, in an English cathedral. How amazing would that be? Um, so I started, I started emailing basically all the cathedrals I could find. I was probably, you know, a bit um, impertinent, just emailing, can I come and audition for you? But, um, <laughs> thankfully, um, quite a few said, yes, just come over. And, um, so I came over and did that. And luckily I, um, was offered Truro Cathedral. And oh, yes, lovely. As, so yeah, when I graduated, I came, I moved immediately to Cornwall and that was a wonderful experience. I'd never lived anywhere except Toronto, which is, you know, big city. Um, to going to Truro, which was beautiful and such wonderful people and, of course, amazing cathedral and amazing organ. Um, so I did that and uh, after that I applied for St. Paul's and I was at St. Paul's for two years 
and that was also a wonderful experience um very very busy um the second year well i was there for two years because um the director of music and the organist were both going on sabbatical in one year so they thought well it'd be good to keep um someone who knows already what's going on so that was a very full-on <laughs> year because okay. they went sort of consecutively one went in the um, Michaelmas term for three months and then we had everyone full staff for December and then from January to um, April um, the other went off so <laughs> um, but I'm you know that was that was an incredible time working there and then um, from there I went to Chester Cathedral as the assistant organist for two years and then um, I have been at Coventry ever since then um, so that's sort of in a nutshell my background so it's really quite quite international, isn't it? You've jet set, as it were, between the two countries. Yeah, I mean, I've been here constantly since since university, but um, it's nice because I I can go home quite often and um, play. I play lots of concerts in Canada, and um, when I go home in the summer, I sort of farm myself out, do a busman's holiday, and then that sort of pays for my flights and you know gives the other organists a break and. <laughs> Um, yeah, and are there, you mentioned some time ago about the Royal Canadian College of Organists, and obviously we've got our mm-hmm. Royal College of Organists over here. Are there similarities between the two? Um, absolutely. So the Royal Canadian College of Organists, I think, is is very much yeah the same as the RCO. They offer the same um, diplomas, so they've got it. Except it would be called the ARCCO and the FRCCO um, for Canadian, but they're uh, so they do that, but they're a much, I think, smaller enterprise than the RCO, just because, and that's because Canada has a much smaller population and therefore fewer organists. Um, but because Canada is such a large country, um, the RCCO has centers. Um, so, you know, t- the Toronto center of the RCCO sort of does its own thing. Mm-hmm. And then you could have another center, you know, in Northern Ontario, but that would take up a, a much wider area. So yeah, and but then there are national conventions every year. And I think this sort of much more um, ties to what the AGO does, because they have lots of sort of national conventions, um, center conventions. Um, well, the AGO does that the RCCO doesn't do center conventions because we're not big enough for that, but we do uh, the national convention once a year um, where they, they have, yeah, performances, um, workshops, uh, book sales, I mean, anything, you name it, social things going on. So it's just a chance to sort of meet your colleagues across the country um, and they have convocation at that point. Um, so it's a great thing. And, and they also have a summer organ academy that's just... Uh, I think it's sort of been reinvented in the last um, two years or so. So students from all over the, the country, teenagers, adults, um, beginners to sort of more advanced, can come together the week before the convention and <clears throat> have one-to-one tutelage, um, group classes, and basically get to know each other. So, there, yeah, that, that's sort of one of the main things that the, the RCCO does. Um, but, um, that's important, yeah. important to do. And I, one thing I can never get my head around with Canada and America is just the sheer size of the country. Yeah. Um, and you're mentioning about having those, I get perhaps regional centres. It, it, do, yeah. do you find, um, I don't know, when you were living in Canada, did you, did you travel a lot across the country a lot to do recitals or accompanying? 
Um, no, no. I was very much sort of based in Toronto. Um, there was a lot going on there, but then I compare that to sort of my, my duet partner, Sarah, um, grew up in rural Nova Scotia. And I think her experience as a, a young organist was very different to mine. Um, just And that's because the benefit of growing up in a big city for me was that there were, there were so many opportunities, so much going on, you know, places that needed young organists. Um, and maybe that, it, because she was in a bigger centre where things were much more spread out, I'm not sure there was sort of as much going on, but... Um, yeah, so I, I I can't say what it would, what it would be like <laughs> elsewhere. And I, I did hear once you've been in an organ duo. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Because uh, I, I confess I've not spoken to an organ duettist for a very very long time. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I should just put a disclaimer up. This is my alter ego is in organized crime duo. Um, we are a comedic organ duo, so we don't just play duets we we do skits we have costume changes um and we basically just try to have as much fun as we can and to make people laugh and have a great time um we hope that by performing together and, and just sort of playing music that you wouldn't expect to hear like we do some bon jovi on the organ we um we play some you know well-known themes like the indiana jones theme song um we're hoping to expand the audience for organ um and it works because people come up to us after and they say you know i had no idea an organ could do all that and be so much fun and you know we do we play sort of we say we do, do gymnastics while we play <laughs> um so it's a very silly experience but um make no mistake that's actually a lot um harder to do than just play a solo concert um but it it is very rewarding um playing duet you have to uh sort of it's it's harder because you have to agree on so many things whereas when you're a soloist you just make the decision and quite often Sarah and I have you know the opposite idea of how a piece should go so um it's been very good for teaching us patience and (laughs) forbearance um but also playing playing a double on the organ you need to well, it's just like any other sort of playing piano duets. You have to work in, oh, I need to actually lift my elbow here so that she can get underneath me. And, you know, we need to, you need to move your foot because I'm actually on the other side of your foot. Like, it's working out all that stuff. And then on top of that, adding your, you know, artistic interpretation, your registration. And then on, on top of that, adding in the jokes and the gymnastics and the costume changes. And so that's, yeah, that's what I do in my spare time. <laughs> do you have to script that quite a lot? I, I guess if you've got that much choreography, it probably can't be utterly spontaneous. Yeah. No, it, it is all scripted. We have um, the, the our, mo- our current uh, show that we're touring, we were actually going to come and perform in the UK in October but um, we've had to postpone that so look out for the future um, that our current show is a, a complete narrative so it, it's got a plot basically that goes it's an hour and a half long there's no intermission um, and yeah it's, it's, uh, it's a whole script <laughs> so that's a lot of work isn't it yeah uh, yeah absolutely but it sort of taps into a different creative side than 
than just doing the musical stuff. Again, that's another topic I'm sure we could go off for half an hour on that, but I, I must just ask about um, organ tuition in Canada because part of the work I do in Leeds is trying to get more children learning, and especially girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. what, what's, and you mentioned there are lots of scholarships available. What's the sort of scene like in Canada getting, I don't know, young teenagers or perhaps young mid-teens to, to learn the organ? Well, I think that it's becoming more popular. I, I do think that organ has had more of a role in mainstream media um in the last few years and i hope that's having a positive effect now i can only really speak from my experience in toronto but we would try in the uh, toronto center they would have a yearly sort of recruitment thing um drive which would be called pedals pipes and pizza and it's just bring your children and they get to see how an organ works they get to have a play and then we have pizza after and and play games that are centered on the organ obviously so you could have like organ bingo or something but this this um is a really useful thing because it just it gets people interested you know a a lot of places have children's choirs a lot of churches do so so those children are being exposed but outside of that you don't have um you know school children might never have heard of the organ so this is an excellent way to sort of bring the children in um I can't say it's you know the most popular thing to start learning but I think that has a huge effect that's what got me into playing the organ yeah and I just hope that you know with the the RCCO summer academy you can come to that actually not playing any organ at all you can come as a pianist and we will get you started learning the organ oh brilliant so there, yeah, there's that, and and uh, for the last one um, I was teaching on it, we, um, we tried to publicize that to piano students to get the word out that yeah you can do this. You don't have to be, you don't have to have knowledge of church or the organ. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know if this sort of <laughs> uh, makes the sit the um current you know situation in Canada any clearer, but I think any ideas to get more young people playing the organ is is a good thing and um, always something that they're looking to develop. And does your duo do any work with children or is it is it mostly entertaining adults for example? Well it's mostly entertaining adult, well adults and children children love the show as well yeah um, but we we have done a few sort of intro sort of workshops we can do workshops with children um, actually one of the pedals pipes and pizza events I was talking about that was sort of we were the hosts of that many years ago um, and we we played one of our silly duets for them and yeah so absolutely that's one of the things we we would love to if we're doing a show somewhere we'd love to combine that with a workshop for children to get to get them interested or anything like a Q&A or you know come try the organ out absolutely so anything to make it seem a bit less daunting or a bit less I guess alien almost you mentioned a lot of children have never come across these unless they've been in children's choirs and I think um, Mm -hmm. the more we can do you mentioned Indiana Jones the more we can do to make familiar things on the organ Mm -hmm. you know appeal to them I'm I'm sure that's the probably the same for you but certainly what got me into it hearing impressive tunes I really want to play that myself and I'm I'm sure your the comedy in your duo is going to make is going to break down that wall of the organ seeming rather sort of starchy and dare I say dull Yes, yes, absolutely. That's that's the hope. Um, that's not to say I I don't think it is dull, but but um, just to it's like opening the door for people who maybe have never heard the organ or or never heard anything except maybe you know Toccata and Fugue in D minor. If if they can see oh you can do all this other stuff and 
and then hopefully they'll discover the whole wor- world of Bach on the organ and yeah. etc. It's an, um, it's an yeah. amazing world, isn't it? I'm aware, Rachel, I've probably taken up a lot of your time, so we ought to wrap shortly, but I wanted, would you just give us a, a little plug of your CD, perhaps give it a name check, because I think a lot of people out there will want to hear such wonderful Canadian music, and I know I, for one, am drawn by the Coventry organ as well, so perhaps you could just give us a little plug for that if you'd like. Um, yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, well, it's called uh, Canadian Organ Music on the Organ of Coventry Cathedral, um, and it's Rachel Mon. It's with Delphian Records, um, and it it's available on Spotify, um, on Presto Classical. You can order a physical copy of the disc, which I do recommend as well because there are some really, really interesting liner notes um, by a, an expat, actually. He grew up, I think in London or, or Sussex and he now he's been in Toronto um, for many many years but he succeeded Healy Willen at St. Mary Magdalene's Church uh, in Toronto and he's so he's written um, the liner notes they're very entertaining and there are some photos of the organ and uh, yeah you get to hear Rachel Loren's organ symphony which is a fantastic work I mean it's if you like Vidor symphonies, Vierne symphonies, um, this is the thing for you. And of course, it's got Willen's uh, monumental introduction, Passacaglia and Fugue. And actually, there's a video out of the introduction if you need, um, if you're not sure, <laughs> you can go watch that. Um, it's on Delphian's YouTube channel. It's on my Facebook page. I've got a, an official Facebook page. Um, if you look up Rachel Mon official on Facebook, you'll find it there. Um, so yeah, I hope that people are interested in hearing some Canadian music. Well, I think people should go and buy their CDs now. It's, it's been uh, lovely to talk to you, Rachel. Thank you so much for giving up your time. We, we're hoping uh, next year, all being well, you'll be able to come play for us live in Leeds. Um, obviously, we don't, don't quite know what's going on yet with um, no. COVID-19. But we, <laughs> we're hoping that next year we can have a real live festival. And um, things coming up next week on our online uh, series will be Angela Metzger, the German organist, playing on Monday, who's going to include De Rufle's Toccata. And then next week's podcast, on the 12th of June, I'll be welcoming the Welsh composer Hugh Morgan, who's going to chat a little bit about his work as a composer, organist and conductor. So, Rachel, thank you again for speaking to us today. And uh, I, I do hope everything goes well in Coventry in the coming months. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. My pleasure. Thank you for listening today. And do join us again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.